you know, we're looking for individuals who take initiative, who are, are self-starters, because I'm really trying to bridge um, uh, the time from when you're a student in academia and when you're going to be a professional. And so... Do you ever have so many questions and no one to ask, so they're just wasting away on Google searches you'll forget about in an hour or so? We had that same problem, and that's why we created the RD2B podcast, a resource for dietetic and nutrition students looking for answers that their peers don't have. We are students Macy and Emily and registered dietitian Carl Barnes. We engage in conversations and learn from RDs. Join us weekly as we gain insight into the unique journeys of registered dietitians all over the country. Welcome back to another week of the RD2B podcast. I'm your registered dietitian host, Carl Barnes. This is our weekly podcast where we highlight the diversity of opportunity in the dietetics profession. And we're in the middle here of showcasing dietetic internships. So I'm very excited to have Cheryl Bacon here with us from UChicago Medicine. Um, excited to hear more about the program and um, about you a little bit, if you don't mind sharing a little bit of your background. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um... My background, yes, yeah, so I'm Cheryl Bacon. Um, I'm a registered dietitian for the past 17 years. I'm currently the director of the dietetic internship at UChicago Medicine Ingalls Memorial. Um, I've been in this position for seven years. Prior to that, I was a clinician for eight, working primarily in oncology, uh, stem cell transplant and nutrition support. Uh, since day one, I've been a preceptor um, and been a preceptor, worked my way up to a coordinator and now in my dream job as a director. So. Great, thank you so much for being here today. As always, I'm Emily, your RDDB from University of Maryland College Park. So how do you balance being the chair of ASEND Board of Directors, being a DI program director, and working on your PhD? Haha, -ha. always a fun question to answer. Um, I'm a mom to two little ones as well. Um, so I think it's just, um, you know, personal preference with some things, I just, um, I'm more productive when I keep busy, when I have a schedule. If I actually have a day off in something, then it just becomes a little bit more frustrating and uh, for me. But I think it's just good communication. You know, I, I choose to, um, it's an honor to be a part of the Ascend board. I was on the board for the past four years before um, being selected as the chair. And I'm working with some amazing individuals. I'm learning so much from my own program. I see a lot of results that happen based on our work. And so that's just really encouraging to be a part of that group. It doesn't feel like work uh, to borrow a term from my kids, you know, story times or whatever. It fills my bucket. It just feels really rewarding to be able to influence the next generation of uh, nutrition professionals. Um, the PhD thing as well. Yes, that's a fun balance. Um, I'm on the final stretch of it now. I finished all my courses, but fortunately I was on a, um, an online program. And so it offered a lot of flexibility in that I didn't have to show up for a class at a certain time. I was able to manage that with my own time and have a very supportive husband who helped, um, you know, give me some time at home to work on that while also prioritizing my family first. And so now I'm kind of on the dissertation phase of things. And that is, um, <laughs> I'm on my own schedule for that. So that requires some more motivation as opposed to due dates uh, for some other things. Um, and then, yeah, working full-time, I just always have um, work full-time is something I absolutely enjoy doing and choose to do. Um, so it doesn't really sound cheesy to say, but it doesn't feel like work when you enjoy the people that you work with and, and the kind of work that you're doing. 
Great, thank you so much. So how does uh, UChicago stand out compared to other dietetic internships in Illinois? Sure, so we had a name change about, well, I should know this off the top of my head, but within the past five years, um, we merged with the University of Chicago. So prior to that, we've been a, um, an accredited dietetic internship for the past 40 years, um, previously known as the Ingalls Memorial Hospital Dietetic Internship Program. And then when our healthcare system merged with the University of Chicago, um, a few years after that, we had a rebranding, um, Use Chicago Medicine Ingalls Memorial. And so the internship itself um, has remained uh, mostly unchanged since the merger. Um, the main benefit that we, we have is that um, there, there's shared services between the Hyde Park campus, which is the university hospital, and we are a community-based hospital located about 20 minutes away from that main campus hospital. Um, we utilize a contract food service company, Compass One or Morrison Healthcare, and so that's been a huge advantage uh, for my intern to be able to see just kind of a large system like that, but then also it's additional networking within the profession. Um, when you know somebody in a contract food service company and you're moving across state lines or whatnot, that opens up to um, some advantages for what opportunities may be available. Great. So what made you guys partner with a university and I guess withhold having a master's program combined with your program or at least an option for a master's? Sure. I think I'll um, answer that question. Uh, a bit separately there because the decision to merge with the University of Chicago Medical Center was obviously a, a much higher level with the changing um, in landscape of healthcare. The individual hospitals really can't survive on their own anymore. And so um, our institution was just very innovative in establishing that relationship early on to try to see who was the best partner for our organization, who had a shared mission. We, um, both of our institutions served the South side of Chicago and the Southland. Um, and so that was really um, the primary uh, kind of driver behind which institution the hospital organization chose to partner with. Uh, the University of Chicago, while an academic um, medical center, also has an academic institution. It has a university. It doesn't have any nutrition programs within the University of Chicago. They have, um, as many are aware, you don't have to, at this time, get a graduate degree in nutrition, per se. Um, but the University of Chicago, after looking at their curriculum, um, didn't really have anything that closely aligned with um, the interest of what our dietetic interns would be completing. Um, uh, it's a very, um, have some very robust and intense courses as well that I'd rather be in a PhD program than some of those um, master's programs <laughs> at University of Chicago. Um, and so for that reason, um, it also played a role in our, our decision to not be combined with any graduate courses right now. When we initially merged, um, there was a rebranding, as I mentioned, and that is taken very seriously. Um, and when initially um, had some discussions with leadership, um, uh, let them know about the graduate degree requirement. At that time, since we were just establishing this brand, it was recommended to since we had the option to accept only those with a graduate degree into our dietetic internship program. And so that um, beginning 2024. And so that has been the plan. Um, there's been um, some additional leadership changes. I have a new VP that I report up to now and uh, we're revisiting what our options are um, as a few years have kind of uh, 
have passed and, and the rebranding um, has settled. And so we're exploring the option right now about whether or not we will partner to offer um, graduate courses for our interns. Um, we will not do that for this next um, class coming in. So the class that we'll be applying and starting in 2022, but potentially for the class after that, or we still have the option to accept those only with a graduate degree. Um, we feel that at least for the interim and in the transition, there'll be a, um, a handful of individuals who will find that option desirable as they may already have a graduate degree. For some who maybe don't match the first time around, they get a graduate degree or they need to work. They're just really eager to go ahead and do the hands-on learning and not have to have their curriculum modified by another program to remove the graduate courses. So we're still learning um, what might be the best option for us. And um, I didn't want to uh, transition too soon, even though we kind of had 10 years um, notice for this, just because medicine is changing so fast. Um, there was no promises that if I made this transition 10 years ago that the hospital would still be operating as it is. So some of it is you have to hurry up and wait just to see how the changes in the actual industry, um, what influences that may have on, on what decisions that we do with our program. Of course. So with the merging and the changing of the name of the program, has your number of students accepted into your program changed at all? It hasn't. Um, for the past um, maybe five or six years, we've been um, accepting nine. Prior to that, there, uh, we had eight. Prior to that, before me being here, there were different numbers that were low. And we gradually go up to make sure that um, not go too high so that we don't exceed um, what we're able to, the experience we're able to give the interns with the resources that we have here available at the hospital. I think initially with the rebranding, um, there's uh, some confusion from the students as well, thinking that they're going to be at the Hyde Park campus. I try to make that very clear on the website, certainly through our open houses and whatnot, um, that it's not actually at the Hyde Park campus. We do have some of our interns go there for their food service rotations, um, and there's some opportunity for them to go there for special practice um, when they want. To, uh, we have a one week special practice rotation towards the end of the program where the interns can select a rotation that they want to get more exposure in or something that they weren't exposed to. And so there's a lot of specialty areas at um, the Hyde Park campus that the dietitians there have um, welcomed our students and being able to to uh, collaborate with them for those learning experiences. But otherwise, all the clinical rotations are done predominantly at our hospital here in the community. Um, and then uh, for those in the medical concentration, they go to a couple other hospitals as well. Um, but yeah, there, there's some confusion between those, those two uh, um, distinctions. Awesome. Thanks for that clarification. Because when I was looking at the website, I thought, you know, I would be in Hyde Pocket. Hyde Park if I was to apply for the program and luckily get accepted. So how many students typically apply for your program each year? Sure. So for the, like the past through, um, three to five years, we have about 60 or so applicants, plus or minus. Um, we review every single application that comes through. It's myself and then um, a panel of two other dietitians who uh, serve as preceptors for our program. Um, we then invite about 30 for an interview. And then we match with nine interns each year. Great. So I know that when you're looking at your applicants, you guys use a point system. Mm -hmm. Why did you decide to use that system? How does it work? Sure. I think um, 
I can't, I, I have experience with one other program, but I think a lot of programs will use some type of rubric. Um, I'm just calling it a point system, but that's essentially what a rubric is. It's an objective way to go ahead and try to, um, uh, you know, remain objective uh, about your, your applicants coming into the program. And so based on feedback from the last internship class that I had and about the heightened awareness around diversity, equity, and inclusion, I, I stopped and said, like, we should just be more transparent on our website as far as like what we're looking for. I don't, there, there's really no secrets. When people ask me, I tell them. So we really modified our website a lot this past year so that folks know exactly kind of how we're we're ranking um, you. It sounds bad to, to say ranking, but we have to have some sort of system in place um, to, to go ahead and make those decisions. And so with that, um, we, we tell you exactly like for us, our, our most important that we're looking for is experiences and then your personal statement, then academics followed by activities as well. Um, and with those experiences, uh, we realized, and we never had this, um, taken this into consideration before, I think it was just always typical to say like preferred to have clinical or food service experience. Um, especially now that's really challenging to, to get um, with all the limitations for students and they have enough pressure going on already. I say that we are interested in any experiences where the skills that you've learned are transferable to professional setting. Because the type of things that we'll teach you in an internship program, like how to conduct a nutrition focused physical exam, the nutrition care process, that's pretty standardized. Um, we can teach people that. We want people to come in who already kind of have strong communication skills, have demonstrated leadership, have demonstrated that they can be trusted by their employer. So let's say that you've worked at a retail um, uh, institu institution, a retail place for, I don't know, five plus years, and they trusted you to open and close, and they trusted you to train new employees, and you've been promoted. Like that, that says a lot has nothing to do with nutrition. It could be a clothing store or whatnot, but those that I wanna see, at least for our program, we would love to see that on the application as well. And so on our website this year, we did put um, things like anywhere where uh, those skills, like evidence of high responsibility, time management, problem solving, ability to work with others and leadership, um, that's what we're interested in. We do not put things in bucket as far as they have clinical or food service or community. Um, and additionally, you know, some DPD programs require that their students get um, so many hours of um, kind of experiential learning um, in their undergrad programs and they get academic credit for it. Not every program offers that. So while we do write it down, it's kind of nice to know, we don't award any points for that because we don't feel like it's necessarily fair if one program didn't offer that over another program as well. Definitely, and I do like that you, the point that you said that the pandemic is hard for people to get experience. <laughs> so any skills are important because I know that's something a lot of my peers and I are worried about. Like we can't get into hospitals. A lot of, you know, kitchens that RDs work at aren't really taking people like long-term care facilities. So it's good to know that as long as there are transferable skills, not that we'll be like good, but you know, we'll, it'll be appealing to directors and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's still pretty telling because, again, I can speak mostly mostly for our program, but, um, you know, we're looking for individuals who take initiative, who are, are self-starters, because I'm really trying to bridge um, uh, the time from when you're a student in academia and when you're going to be a professional. And so 
Um, that's a tough transition for, for a lot of people to make. And so if you kind of have some of those skills ahead of time, then I'm going to continue to um, make sure that you can advance those, those skills that you have. Um, so if you come in and you can demonstrate that, again, you've been trusted um, to open and close or that you're training someone, um, these are all things that as a dietitian, it will help, you know, um, push you to be a more successful professional when you have these additional skills above and beyond just kind of like the required training that we have to have to keep the, our patients and the public safe. Most definitely. I remember when I was looking at your website, there was like a breakdown of, you know, 40 points, this category, 10 points, this category. So when you're looking at those, say, 60 applicants mm -hmm. and you're going through offering your 30 or so interviews, is it the top 30 point? like ranked students or is it like a little bit more personalized than that or what does bring yeah. in interviews look like yeah so that's a great question um it's a starting point for us right um to be able to see um where those uh, an objective starting point i review as a program director everybody's entire application my two other committee members will review the personal statement and the letter of recommendation um, I do, because the other stuff is kind of pretty objective, um, we have points for, you know, if, if um, like I have right on there, like if your GPA is this, it's this many points. So I don't need to um, ask, uh, my, my preceptor's time is very valuable, so I'm going to get them with the stuff that's, um, that I really need their um, interpretation on. Um, so what we might have as well in the personal statement, we do ask that you include why you think that our program is a good fit for you. Um, we want you to do your homework as well. Ultimately, we want people who want to be here. I think it just makes for a much more enjoyable experience for everybody all around. And so we want you to know what you're getting into. So that's a big part on our letter as well. If you just give us a name drop, like you can tell it was a find and replace with a different program's name. I will say every year I get at least one application where somebody forgot to do that find and replace. So um, another comment to please check <laughs> your application everywhere. But then that just makes it a little bit easier as far as when we're trying to go like, ooh, who do we bring in for an interview or whatnot? Um, so for individuals who, I encourage everyone to reach out to program directors or coordinators who whoever's available for the different programs that you're interested in. When you make that connection, it's easier for us to be able to um, just remember you and know what interest you may really have in our program. So sometimes we'll do our, our points, let's say the, the points add up to 100. And so um, we'll just go ahead and filter by the top 30 in that. But then maybe there's some people who fall below that 30 line. We're like, mm -mm, this individual though, look, their GPA is just low. And I think that's what bumped them down. But they have this, this, and that. They've contacted me with this. I want to interview them. And so we may move some things around and we don't cut it off at 30. Um, it's kind of give or take there a little bit. Like if there's anybody we're on the fence with interviewing then we will absolutely just interview them. During the interview process, we have another scoring sheet as well to remain as objective as we can. And for that, we do not ask like what medication interferes with Coumadin or any like panicky questions. They are more performance-based um, questions where we are asking our applicants to consider past experiences that they've had and to share an example with us um, because past experience and behavior predicts future behavior. So we're looking for evidence of good communication, teamwork, enthusiasm, taking initiative, 
um, and those type of things during our interview process. That definitely just debunked a whole nother fear that students have. We're like, we're going to get into these interviews and they're going to ask us, you know, the toughest MNT questions and how to apply that. But it's good to know that, you know, a lot of, at least your program looks for, I don't want to say more common sense, but more critical thinking from mm -hmm. a more objective sense of like all your experience and stuff like that. So I would say, yeah, perhaps there's other programs to do some of the MNT and, and that's fine. Um, the advice that I would give is for any interns who get those type of questions instead of just like, you know, like stop breathing and have a total panic attack to a good thing to be able to demonstrate is to just to talk through how you would go about finding the answer, right? Because you haven't earned your credentials yet. So some of it might be thrown at you to just see how you handle stressful questions. Do you panic? Are you able to, um, you know, come up with a thoughtful response? So in questions like that, um, for anybody listening, like if you, if you don't know the MNT response, be like, that's an excellent question. It's definitely something I'm looking interested in learning more in your program. But based on what I've learned thus far, I would know to be resourceful. I can look at this resource, this resource. I would reach out to my peers and my colleagues to help me walk through that. After coming to an answer myself, I would want to go ahead and check it with somebody who's credentialed to make sure that I have the safest response for my patient. So sometimes you don't have to say vitamin K as the answer, but you can kind of talk through how would you problem solve. Definitely. I feel like that's really important for just people to have in general, not only dietitians, but just everybody. Mm -hmm. So I guess going back a little bit more, uh, more to your program, what is your exam pass rate? Sure. Um, for where all ascend accredited programs are required to have a three-year rolling pass rate to know what that average is. And that is for the number uh, or the percentage of your students who pass within one year of taking um, the exam. And so it's not necessarily first time pass rate. Ascend now looks at everybody's kind of own starting point um, that they're passing it within one year of their first attempt. And our three-year rolling pass rate is 96%. I will say that um, for the seven years that I've been here, 100% of my interns pass. Um, we're a small program. I have nine interns. This is my full-time job. Um, so I have the time available to um, continue to work with interns after graduation. So even if they don't pass on that first time, I will continue to work with them, find them resources, be a cheerleader, put them in contact with some of our past graduates, whatever it takes to get them to pass that exam, because um, I'm confident that they will be a, a successful dietitian. You know, they wouldn't have made it all the way through our program if we didn't think that um, they'd be a safe practitioner out there. I think the hardest part about exams is just our own mental block, not the hardest, they're hard questions too, but man, that mental block is, is uh, and the anxiety going into it is a real barrier. Um, and so, you know, I, I try to give um, pep talk. We do a lot of exam prep throughout our program. Um, we have Friday class days and every Friday we do sample questions and we break it down. Like, why is this not a good response? Even if you don't know any of the answers, why is A not a great answer and maybe C or, or whatnot? And then we also have an exam review course um, that we do towards the end of the year. That's um, part of our tuition cost that the interns are all, um, all have access to. Great. So when I was looking through the breakdown of your program, you know, you have the food service, community, clinical, stuff like that. I noticed that you guys have a medical or wellness concentration. So what does that mean? And what does that look like for students? 
Sure. Um, so in the 2017 Ascend standards, um, all programs are required to have a concentration um, and you have to be able to demonstrate to the accreditor to Ascend, um, like what specialty area that you have for your program. So before I go on any further, in the 2022 standards, because Ascend revises their standards every five years, programs are no longer going to be required to have concentrations. So it's really just for the next year. But we have a medical and a wellness concentration, and it basically comes down to a difference of eight weeks for students who are on either um, concentration. We take five in wellness and four in medical. For those who are in the medical concentration, they get additional time in clinical rotation, um, and they get to go to another hospital to be able to um, see how adaptable their skills are in a different setting under different policies, procedures, organization, and whatnot. So our medical concentration has additional weeks in nutrition support and critical care, additional clinical relief, and then some of their specialty rotations include um, bariatrics and weight loss, as well as um, outpatient counseling. Um, our wellness, because we live in the Chicago area, we have access to a variety of um, kind of non-traditional dietitian roles. And if you think about it, wellness um, uh, is it, a pretty broad term and, and traces back. To, to just the whole kind of philosophy of nutrition and, and how it promotes wellness. So we have those interns um, spend time in four different rotation sites at two weeks at a time. Currently, and these sites kind of change each year based on intern feedback or site availability, but currently I'm on a longstanding relationship we have with the Chicago Park District, who is responsible for over 500 parks in the Chicago area. Um, our dietitians are responsible for creating the after school and summer programming um, with regard to nutrition. Um, so it might be fun with food curriculum. They're responsible for um, maybe participating in writing or evaluating grants that they have from the um, National Park and Recreations Association. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of really unique things there. It's more like curriculum building. They are teaching the teacher. Um, they are the content experts, and then there's so many staff individuals in the parks for these after-school programs and whatnot um, that uh, they're, they're the ones making sure that they're getting sound information that's able to trickle down. We have students in the wellness concentration right now working for the Academy of Nutrition Dietetics Foundation, um, and so they are working um, and kind of just exploring different fellowship opportunities, scholarship opportunities, and things like that in that rotation. Um, it is all remote, just like the academy right now is predominantly remote and pretty much was before the pandemic too. And so interns get to see if that's the kind of um, work-life balance that they, that they um, can thrive in. Um, and, uh, and they learn a lot about professional communication because so much is over email that their, their preceptors will critique um, in, a, in a positive way, like their communications over email so that they can be more successful going forward. Um, they spend time in our outpatient areas as well. And for that one, it is through our Ingalls and through um, Hyde Park. We have a lot of satellite sites. And so there's one like in Flossmoor and Orland Park, so surrounding suburbs. But one is overseen by um, the um, Chicago Medicine dietitians. And then um, what was the last one at? Oh, Flick Hospitality, which is at the Blue Cross Blue Shield building downtown. So right across from Maggie Daly Park in the city. And that is another Compass One group. Um, but it is a, um, uh, they work with the wellness director there, um, whose responsibility is really um, ensuring uh, the wellness and, and good nutrition of their 9,000 employees at that building. And so they do a lot of menu market promotion. They do a lot of webinars. Um, 
and other outreach within the community too. Great. So since you have a clinically or hospital-based program, how do you decide which five students take the medical concentration and which four students take the wellness concentration? That's a good question too. Um, as part of our supplemental application, um, I really, um, and I talk through this with individuals as they reach out to me for like one-on-one -on -one to learn more about a program and definitely go into it more at our open house. But on our supplemental application, we ask you to select um, which concentration are you interested in? Medical only, wellness only, either or, but I prefer. Um, and then we try to take their preference into consideration. It's an additional question we'll ask on our interview, um, just because we want to make sure that people land in the area that they want to. And this system was set up in place before I got here as well, but I've been very fortunate that it's, it's worked out um, in that, um, you know, I think we, we have been able to place every intern where they want to be in, in whichever rotation they want to be in. Um, so when I receive the match list, um, then I'm able to kind of see if, if luck just worked out and, and all the numbers aligned. Other times I'm having to have phone calls and say, you made a preference for this particular rotation. I want to see what if you're receptive to doing this concentration instead um, and kind of talk through and have those conversations. And it's all worked out um, and where the students have, have met, you know, been able to be placed in which rotation they were most interested in. But we do ask for it on the supplemental because, uh, for example, if we had our, our top 30 using the point system was medical concentration only, I, I can't meet that need. And so then that's another criteria that we look at when we're inviting folks for an interview. Great. So I know a touchy subject is finances, and I know mm -hmm. your program does not offer financial aid. So what affordability advice do you have for students who are applying to your program but are a little daunted by the cost? Sure, I know that's um, not just, uh, it's a problem with a lot of um, internship programs and just our, our whole structure in general of the additional cost. Um, so all our programs are required to put their cost and be transparent about them up on the website. Um, and so we have that and with our program, I say that there's no other cost that you have during it. Um, so what you, your fees and your tuition are paying for now are gonna get through your scrubs, they're gonna get through your lab coats, they're gonna get through your books, your everything else that you need while you're here. Um, and so, you know, we have copies of books, other folks, we can say like, if you wanna have your own copy of this, you're welcome to purchase it, but you're not required to purchase it. We have it available for you while you're here. Um, after our interns match, and I think even last year to anybody who applied to our program before the match, anytime I get anything from the Academy Foundation regarding scholarships, because the timeline very closely aligns with match day, um, I encourage folks to please apply for an Academy scholarship. I'm a recipient of a scholarship in the past. It's been um, rewarding and extremely beneficial financially. And so I want to kind of pay that forward and let people know that they have these resources available to them. Additionally, we're able to honor different types of um, payment for our tuition. By that, I mean, um, you can pay by check, you can pay by credit card. There's no additional fee for a credit card um, that some universities might have. So that might help you rack up some flying points potentially or whatever you have on your um, uh, plan. But uh, so we offer, it, it can be a combination of things, whether, you know, it's a, a, your personal check, maybe a family member check, part of it credit, part of it this or that, um, and able to offer just those different forms of payment. But 
ultimately, um, my program, and like others who may be charging a tuition like ours as well, is we're a neutral budget um, cost center. And what that means is all the tuition that comes in goes to pay for the operation of the internship. Um, the hospital doesn't make any money off of um, running the internship. And so it's really just to kind of make ends meet for that and try to be flexible with different payment methods. Awesome. That's good to hear that, especially because I know a lot of programs that we've talked to are encouraging the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics scholarships. And a lot of people don't know that that option is available. So it's good that it's being reinforced. Yeah. And it can seem really intimidating. Like I don't have time, but having filled out the application process myself, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, you already have folks that you've asked to write letters of recommendation for you. So you can, um, you know, have, have a quick follow-up. They probably have a template for your letter already. And so although it may seem like a quick turnaround time, having done the application myself, because some of them are just general, and then you have different categories that you're eligible for, I was able to um, earn one for a doc working towards my PhD. Um, but I was, I was really impressed. Like, I thought that was going to take a lot longer to fill out. Um, and so I think it's definitely worth looking into. You're never going to get what you don't ask for. Definitely. And I guess my last question will be, do you have any upcoming um, open houses? And if so, when are they? Oh, okay. Um, let me see. <laughs> yes, we <Okay>. do. It's <laughs> spot right there. No, that's all right. It's on our website as well. Um, we're hoping to host two virtual and maybe one in person. Um, when I put my website uh, information available at the beginning of the summer, um, you, you never quite know what's going to be available to happen for that. Let me see, we're offering one in December, um, on Thursday, December 16th. Um, there's an open house, that one will be virtual. And then another one on um, uh, January 6th. And I think uh, there's another one in there, and I apologize, I don't have it on the schedule in front of me, but they're all on our website. And we have Zoom links for you to be able to sign up, even for the in-person one, because it's just a good means of registration. But during our open house, I go through, um, it's about two hours long. I go through a very detailed kind of um, overview of, of what our program offers, all the different rotation sites. I'm putting addresses in there. So again, people can make decisions regarding cost. Um, you know, if all of our rotation sites are 30 minutes, 30 miles from the hospital, mm -hmm. they likely don't live right at the hospital or, or nearby. So some people, you know, they're going to have additional um, transportation, gas and mileage costs. So I try to be transparent. It's like, this is how far that you could be traveling um, with our, uh, and I put this on our website as, as well. Um, everyone will be considered, we highly encourage you to come to open house. So again, you know, any program you're interested in, you can see if it's a good fit for you. Um, we will consider everybody equally. Um, if we do have the opportunity to have our in-person open house, I don't want people to feel pressured like they have to come here. Um, in the past, I've had people book a flight, come here just for it and, and leave that same day. And I'm like, oh, you're already spending so much money. Like you don't have to impress me that much. Um, like if you just reach out, whether it's an email, a phone call, if you're not able to attend our open house, that still demonstrates your interest. So in general, with that said, for anyone, if you're interested in a program, make some sort of connection. Um, sometime we will have uh, our list that we're looking to invite for an interview. And we're like, this person lived really close by. Why didn't they come to our open house? Or why didn't they mention that they couldn't come to our open house? Are we a, a last minute kind of, let's see um, if I can get into this program type thing. 
So if you're not able to attend an open house, let the program director or coordinator know that as well, so that they know that you're seriously considering them, that there was just a conflict that you weren't able to attend. Great. Thank you so much. I think that's a great piece of advice, especially because, you know, getting, I guess I'll use me for an example, from Maryland to Chicago could be a little hard, especially during the school year, stuff like that. So it's good that even reaching out and talking to a program director is better than nothing. Absolutely. And I will say for our open house as well, we, um, I'll go through all the um, specifics of everything, but I think the favorite part um, that I've heard from interns who then got accepted into our program is I have a half hour blackout where I leave the open house and they get to talk freely with our current interns to kind of hear about their experiences and what advice they have. Because I, even though it was many years ago, I remember how intimidating that was as well. Um, just flubbing over my questions of what I'm going to ask the program director. So sometimes you can ask those questions in a little bit more comfortable setting to the current interns and get to hear from the people who are in it. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking time out to talk to us today. Absolutely. And I think it's great what you guys are doing. I'm creating awareness just about different um, pathways to become an RD and not highlighting these different programs. I appreciate you um, reaching out to me and giving me an opportunity to do so.